In 2020, Allie Lundeen's dad died alone at a small Minnesota hospital after doctors refused to give him the treatment that he needed to overcome COVID. Allie has used this story to raise awareness and to help other families actually be able to secure the treatment that their loved ones need when they are suffering from COVID. She has courageously and sacrificially shared her story and shared the testimony of God's faithfulness in the midst of this tragedy. And this isn't the first time she has shared this kind of story. Her daughter died only 38 days old after doctors informed her that there was nothing that they could do to save her little life. Allie is better known as the Proverbs 31 woman on Instagram. And so not only is she sharing uh, her testimony of faith, she is also helping women beautify their homes and live lives in a way that are Christ honoring. You will be so encouraged by the stories of both tragedy and redemption and just how she conducts her life and sets an example for the rest of us Christian women. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com. Use code Ally at checkout. That's goodranchers.com. Code Ally. Allie, thanks so much for joining us on the white couch. I appreciate you making the track. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And you were saying that when you sat down that this is the couch that you guys have. And this actually is mind-blowing. <laughs> the print behind you. You guys, my people will know. I'm like, that's a God wink. He's like, just come sit in your living room. It's yes. your same couch. Make it so homey. <laughs> okay, know. actually, I'm just so flattered by that because you have incredible style. That's oh. why I love, that's why I think I originally started following you because the things you that's pick out for your home, I'm like, oh. Wow, I have the same stuff as Proverbs 31 girl. <laughs> the person who designed the set who is not me. Gets they a did lot of good for that. They yes, did good. Yes. Okay, so tell us who you are, what you do. So I'm Allie Lundine, and I I always hate saying what I do. I will yeah. say content creator. I know. Blogger. I don't love the word influencer, but I'm on Instagram, and that's literally what pays our bills, and we're so grateful for it. Yes. And what yeah. are you on Instagram? Four. What do you post? Um, so my handle is Proverbs Thirty One Girl, and it honestly started out with blogging, and it was just trying to emulate what that Proverbs Thirty One woman looks like in the Bible. Just a little bit of faith, a little bit of resourcefulness, a lot of motherhood, and a lot of yeah, God. So yeah, that's how you've I'm. got four kids. Yep. Um, and teenager down to seven years old. Yes. And you've been blogging and posting influencing i know i hate that I phrase too but um for how long so i started blogging when my little guy was born i was a public school teacher and okay. i said i don't i can't go back so blogging was the buzzword then yes. 15 years ago wow so that's when okay, Proverbs so when your oldest began. was when your oldest was a baby yeah okay. before instagram i am an wow. og yeah an og <laughs> blogger yes. so then you were yeah. just posting about like this is how i'm going to approach motherhood from a christian perspective um a lot, a lot of it, honestly, like you said, had to do with home decor. Okay. I wanted to create my house into a home on a very tight budget because we went from two incomes to one. Yeah. And then so my goal was to kind of just also share my faith along the way. But yes. a lot of it was based on DIY and home decor and okay. then how being a one income family worked into all that. Yeah. So that was 15 years ago. Yeah. And you have stayed very True to that. That's exactly what you are today. I only discovered you a couple of years ago, but that's still what you do. You do DIY yeah, projects. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is you have such an eye for it because you'll show the before and I'm like, oh, the before looks good. And then you'll transform it into something even more beautiful. That's really amazing. 
Oh, I'm just so wired. I love taking ugly things and making them beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lord, it's just, I can't stop it. The before so, and after. So, yeah, tell me about that. Have you always been a DIY crafty kind of person? Um, no. Uh, I grew up in a family that my dad was not handy, um, but... So we never really had the opportunity or I never saw carpentry and crafts and all of that. But I married my husband, Ryan, who is super handy. And all of a sudden, this whole new world came to be because we had all the tools and all the resources. And I was like, I can do that. He does all of the hard behind the scenes stuff, plumbing, electrical, all of that stuff. And I was like, okay, now I get to make it pretty. So um, since he had the tools, I was like, I can work a table saw. I can work a chop saw. We can do this. And that's kind of how I just, YouTube taught me everything I know. Yeah. Dug in there and started making the house beautiful on a really tiny budget. And people loved it. They yeah. related with it. Yeah. So let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk first about how do you interweave your faith into motherhood and making your house a home? Obviously, for you, that's through various forms of crafting and homemaking. Not everyone is gifted in that way. And yet you do teach people, okay, these are the different ways that you can be a Proverbs 31 woman, whether you have two incomes or one. So tell us what you've learned over the past 15 years about how to do that. Um, Oh, goodness. Well, first of all, I just think anything can be made beautiful. I'm just like, if you have a desire to make it beautiful, a little bit of paint goes a long way, one gallon, $30 later. And I just feel like to create a home that, you know, your kids just love, it feels welcoming. I mean, I always struggled with the fact of um, materialism, you know, obviously biblical where that runs a fine line, but just knowing that you can be very resourceful on a very tight budget and still honor the Lord in that way and make your house beautiful with just a little bit of paint, a paintbrush, um, some quarter inch plywood, give yourself some faux shiplap and create just an environment that you and your family can enjoy. Yeah. And beautifying can mean a variety of things. Like I'm not crafty. I could not, even if I followed your (laughs) step-by-step guide to make like a reading nook or your staircase or something look exactly like it does in your home. I'm sure a lot of people could do that. I could not. I I couldn't. I physically could (laughs) not. And yet I do think like there is something inherently godly and biblical about women beautifying spaces for their family family. So you don't have to be crafty or artistic. I hope. Gosh, I'm out of luck if so. But there's a way to make spaces beautiful, right? Even if you're not artistic. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I mean, I say the outward appearance, but it totally all starts in the heart, just making your kids feel loved and honored and cherished and, you know, just um, creating the environment that they feel safe and secure. So I think that what we've done is created this family culture inside of our walls that is just really secure for our kids. And of course, I would love to like put the finishing touches on it with the beauty of decor. But no, it is all starting with the heart and how you want your family to be raised, how you want your kids to feel. And Obviously, that's a strong foundation in Jesus, for yeah. sure. And it, But it is, for you, it is a gift. It's a talent. It's like you have a vision for spaces that other people don't have. And I think a lot of times when we have those gifts, we think the only way to utilize them is outside of the home, outside of yeah. the family. Like we have to be paid by an employer in order to mm-hmm. say, I'm using my gifts. And 
I guess you do in a way because you get paid, you know, for influencing other people. But for you, you decided to do the work of your hands and the talent that God gave you to primarily serve your family, right? Yeah. And honestly, when I'd hear stories like yours of like, I just, it's not my thing. I don't know. I would be like, that's so crazy. I didn't know people could think like that and didn't know how to pull a look together, you know, necessarily. And so that's when I kind of realized the Lord did give me this gift. Sometimes yeah. I wish I did not have it and I didn't care because I do. And I love, you know, I just love that before and after and I love designing. So when I accepted that, I really truly feel like this gift is from the Lord. How am I going to use it to honor and glorify Him? Because I can't shake it. Um, I think that's when it took on the whole new meaning as Proverbs 31 mm. girl. And um, it's just been really cool to see because actually the first eight years, well, I should maybe say 13 years of blogging and and Instagram came later, but not a dime was made on it. So it really was just me sharing because I just loved it so much. And within the last three, four years, it's been amazing to see how God has transformed that into an income for our family. It's been mind-blowing to me, and watching Him weave throughout the whole story has been just a really cool testimony yeah. to His goodness and His faithfulness when we use our gifts to glorify and honor Him. Yeah, and it is really a gift. I'm so glad that you did <laughs> realize that. You saying, like, I didn't realize that was a thing that people do. I'm like, oh, it is a thing. It is a thing that we cannot do it. But at the same time, I think that there are some people, not me, but there are some people out there who think that they can't. But after they yes. read your blog or they watch your page, they realize, oh, I can. And I don't have to have that much artistic ability to do that. So I yeah. will say sometimes I have surprised myself with the ability to put together a shelf or whatever it is. I, I, it's usually not that I don't have the vision for it. It's that I don't, I can't execute it. That also is a talent. Like the ability to bridge the gap between what you see sure. and what you can put on paper. And that really is an artist. I remember like I had a um, a classmate growing up who was an incredible artist. And I remember he drew this awesome picture and I just asked him, how do you do that? He was like, I literally just see it in my mind and I do it. Okay, well, I That's could see something in my mind and I could try <laughs> yeah. and my hand would not do that. But you can and you're teaching other people how to do that, which yeah. I think is empowering. Yes, our moms kind of looked at us like sideways when we bought two of our homes because I had the vision of what it's going to turn into. And they're like, you are buying this. <laughs> and so, so like a fixer upper. Very much so fixer uppers. Yeah. But I must say, like, I envy how you can do that with words. So it is so interesting to see how the Lord gifts us in different ways. In totally because, different ways. Yeah. 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 And how do you balance, because you look at something like, oh, I can make that better. How do you balance that? gift and drive with contentment yeah. with like when do you know okay you know what not everything has to be fixed like how how do you how do you balance that in your life yeah i mean that's a daily dying to self when studio mcgee keeps dropping lines that are amazing yeah. at target i'm like i just I heard about this for the first time <laughs> i had never heard that we were trying to fix our kitchen and I've never done anything like that. Honestly, my husband's like, look, I know you would be content with this 1999 yes. countertop and decor forever. I really would. I don't care. Um, but like, let's, you know, let's yeah. fix some stuff up. And my friend is like, oh, have you heard of this place, this place? I'm like, no, I thought there was like, I don't know, weirds and wait there. I'll come over. Please. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. I interrupted you, but keep going. So no. So I mean, and it's so interesting because I think, again, it's one of those things that we all find contentment in different areas. And like, like for me, I could drive the ugliest, oldest vehicle, but I want my house to look pretty. So there's diff just different ways. And I think what we have learned is yeah. if it goes outside of, you know, is 
this getting into our tithing money? Is this allowing us not to bless others? Is this, uh, you know, something that is interfering with my family life? Am I not losing my joy because I don't have stuff? Like then it's obviously check yourself and bring yourself yeah. back because that is not wholesome and glorifying yeah. to God at all. So it is hard though. I constantly struggle being in this space where obviously as a content creator, you're marketing products and you're selling products, yeah. right? That's how we make our income. And so trying to also allow people to see how our life has been blessed by living obedient to God first and yeah. foremost. So that's the balance of trying to show them that part of our life first and then yeah. also make their lives beautiful. All right, let me tell y'all about Preborn. This is an amazing pro-life ministry. They provide lots of things for women, families in need um, that are that are pregnant, these women who are trying to make this decision, whether they are going to tragically end the life of the child in the womb or whether they are going to protect that sacred life. And Preborn is doing everything they can to make sure that these women are choosing life. And one of the things that they do is provide free sonograms for these women. And you can partner with Preborn by covering the cost of this sonogram. It's only 28 bucks. And so if you can donate 28 bucks by going to preborn.com slash Allie, that's great. If you can donate even more than that, awesome. As much as you can donate, it really helps. And this can change the game. The uh, If a woman sees the life inside her womb through a sonogram, like if she is able to see that wiggling baby, hear that beating heart, she is far more likely to keep her child. Thank God. So you can play a role in this too by donating that $28 at preborn.com slash Allie. That's preborn.com slash Allie. And I'm sure it's been difficult for you as a Christian content creator, kind of navigating the algorithms and all of that of Instagram. I mean, that's something that I know what we do is different, but I often rely on these major companies who I understand my values are diametrically opposed to theirs. And I'm like talking about that every day. I'm like, yeah. okay, I depend on them to get my message out. At any given moment, all of this yeah. could just go away. Do you deal with that fear that sometimes think things are kind of precarious when you're a Christian quote unquote influencer? Oh, absolutely. I've walked that line many times. And honestly, it's one that you need to decide of if this is worth it. Where do you want social media to lie in your life? Because I know of some people that will stay far away from that line of wanting to get too bold or too um you know, honest and truthful because they want to play it safe because they do yeah. realize that you know, Instagram, social media, Meta holds all of our little fingers in their hands and they can take it away and they have. But honestly, at the end of the day, I had to say, what's what What do you want your platform to be? And I want yeah. my platform to be obedient. And that is my first and foremost. That's my heart. That's where it is. And so we definitely have crossed over that line and Instagram has shut us down a couple of times and we've just dealt with it and God has been so faithful. So it was a it was a conscious decision, though, to say, all right, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Um, I feel like social media is a two-headed beast. You, Everyone says to build your own platform, and we've done that with our website, but we need social media to link it, to present it from. Otherwise, they don't go on their own. So trying to you know, just stay true to who we are while we're on this platform and shining a light in a very dark place, and yeah. people need it. 
And what does it mean? This is something that you're sharing on Instagram that maybe it was the reason your page has gotten shut down twice. What does it mean to be a Proverbs 31 woman? Oh, you know, for me, well, it's someone that wakes up early, that works hard, that's taking care of her household, that's loving her babies well. We homeschool our four kids. So that was went from public school teacher to homeschooling, wow. something I never thought I would do. Um, but to just raise them on such a solid foundation was really important for us even 15 years ago. Um, and so we chose to do that. And to, like I said, for me to just cut off one whole income was really hard to do at that point in our lives, just starting a family. So to, um, I think a Proverbs 31 girl woman is to be resourceful, which is the Mm. thrifty and the budgeting. And um, yeah, so, so many of those things that I try to incorporate into my feed of loving your family well, loving God well, and being really resourceful and doing what you can to help your family. So that's, yeah. yeah. I think that's a really... I think it's a really good summary, being resourceful, making, and what you said kind of at the beginning of how you're making your house into a home. It's not necessarily for everyone, decor and craftiness and things like that. It is making your family feel safe and secure. Mm -hmm. That could just mean maybe you have a total minimalist home, but it's clean. Absolutely. And they know that they're safe there. They know that they're secure there. They know that there's going to at least be a warm blanket and a hot meal where they can cozy up next to mom and talk about their day, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't necessarily look the same for anyone, but the principles are the same and that it is resourcefulness. It is stewardship. It is honoring God. It is loving your family. And in that way, like creating honor for your husband, Mm -hmm. creating honor for yourself. um, I don't know. I guess that's a message that maybe Instagram was like, we don't like that. (laughs) I know. I mean, makes sense, right? In the culture we live in, it's very countercultural. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, And what does it look like? I'm just curious because my job doesn't work exactly like this. I mean, how does this, maybe for other people, this will be helpful who are trying to do the same thing. Like, how does this generate income? Do you mind answering that? No, not at all. I try to be an open book. Um, So there's companies that will reach out to you because they want to work with you. I know, and this is when Instagram shifted because I started 10 years ago when it was not monetized at all. So in the last three years, it's just been insane to see the shift of marketing. And they even said that now, more money is being poured into social media marketing than TV marketing, which makes sense because everyone's on their phone. So companies reach out, you try their product, and if you love their product, they'll either pay you a flat rate to share a story about their product, or they will give you a commission on what you sell of their product. So for us, and then obviously anytime you link up um, a Target, a piece from Target or a piece from Walmart, you can earn a 5 to 10% commission on that because you are marketing their product for them and they give you a kickback on that. Yeah. So. And how do you decide? Because I'm sure you don't say yes to everything. You would never no. <laughs> promote a product that you don't genuinely believe in or like. So how do you sift yeah. through all those? Um, it's really hard and you definitely need to know how much to say yes to and how much to say no to. Um, but there's always opportunity. And so it is trying things and hopefully the best partnerships are the ones that you've already been using and you reach out and they say, yes, we would love to work with you. Or they find you and you're like, yes, I love them so much. I get to work with them. So that is for sure. It's definitely picking and choosing. And as it goes on, it's trying to find ones that align with my beliefs and morals more so because um, you definitely want that to line up as well. Yeah. And there is, I feel like there's growing opportunity for those kind of partnerships. And I've just noticed that on 
my show is that the kinds of advertisements that I read versus what podcasters, even conservative podcasters, were reading several years ago, they're like these family-owned Christian mm-hmm. conservative businesses more than, oh, I just happen to be reading for this clothing company or watch company that is kind of okay with conservatives but doesn't align. Now I would say most of my most of my sponsors are sponsors that align with my show, which there's a lot of comfort to that because like we know what people will do who oppose your message. They'll go after your sponsors and say, can you believe that this person said this? You should cut ties with them. And all my sponsors can be like, yep. And I agree with her. (laughs) So I I love the parallel economy that is cropping up that conservatives and Christians are creating because there's a lot of security there. Yeah, and they're so supportive. Yes. I mean, we've seen them rally us many times and it's so cool to see that. So yeah, ideally, that would be the only people in the companies I'd love to work with. So that's the shift we're trying to make. Yeah, Um, Yeah. But yeah, so it is really cool to see that rise up and right. for yeah people to get on board and to support and back that yeah and yeah. keep going like if you're a christian business owner and you're yes. thinking like you're starting that product you're starting that company like there's a lot of people out there who will support you and Absolutely. help get the word out like even i'm sure you've done this too if there's something that i believe in and i'm not getting paid for it but i just want to help this person get started i'll share because i think yeah. it's so important for christians to be industrious absolutely and to, you know, and it can really change their alter their course of their life and we've had people say that to us and it's such an easy thing that we can do so it's really cool to be able to support each other in the body of christ absolutely If you are a business owner, I want you to listen to this. Public Square is where you should be listing your business. The Public Square app, it's spelled Public SQ, has all kinds of alternatives to the progressive companies that we no longer want to support with our money. And if you are a business owner, you can list your business for free. So go to your app store, download the Public Square app. It is spelled Public SQ. You can enter your location. You can see all kinds of businesses that you'll want to support. So like your local Christian coffee shop that you might not know about, or maybe it's some other kind of business that defied COVID mandates or some kind of uh, pro-life company. Like there are all kinds of alternatives to the woke corporations that we are getting away from on Public Square, on the Public Square app. So go to publicsq.com, download their app, list your business for free, find other businesses that you want to support, download the Public Square app uh, today by going to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Okay, so before we started this conversation and we were talking about you getting shut down, I think that's maybe that's how I originally found you is someone had sent your handle to me saying this person is getting a lot of pushback or she's getting her account taken down. And I actually remember seeing the video on your new account that you had to create Mm -hmm. um, of you talking about your dad. Yeah. And so I think maybe that's how I'm trying to, it's always so hard to remember how you originally found someone, but maybe that was the first thing that I saw. And you told your story of Mm -hmm. how your dad died ostensibly of COVID, but the story is a lot more complicated than that. So can you tell us what happened? I know it's a big story, but just go from the beginning and let us know. Yeah. And I will say this was a time, like I was talking to you before, where it was the mark in the sand of, are you willing to risk it all to share your dad's story 
um, because I knew that it could potentially devastate my Instagram career. But it because um, this was when just to give context, so, this was 2020, 2020. So this was when people were still and the sensors were highly sensitive, highly sensitive, which is the reason I had the backup account that you found. Um, so I created a backup account. So my dad got sick with COVID. Yes. And prior to that, we had actually been following um, the frontline doctors and seeing mm -hmm. a different narrative than the one that, you know, the media was pushing and really feeling like we wanted to be prepared with COVID and not necessarily believing everything that we were seeing from necessarily yeah. the, you know, the um, hospitals and the government, what they were saying. So we felt like we were very prepared and my dad got COVID and we got, and Unfortunately, my mom had COVID at the same time. So they oh. were trying to take care of each other and they were very sick. And they so live close to you. They live four hours away. Okay. So, so not that close. Not that close. So at the beginning, we didn't realize how bad it was. But then my mom's like, I can't keep his oxygen up. We got Ugh. him actually on ivermectin. Okay. He had two days of ivermectin. And then we got all of the vitamins and all of the supplements that he needed. But within those two days, his oxygen couldn't stay up. So she called the ambulance and we're like, yes, mom, just have him go to the hospital, give him some oxygen. And how old are your parents? So my dad was 71. Okay. And my mom at that time was 57. Oh, so, okay. I mean, sorry, 67. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's not 67, yeah. but they're yeah. it's like so young. You realize at this point that that's so young. Yeah. When you're 40, it used to seem old. So he was yeah. very young, 71. Yeah. Went to the hospital and, um, like looking back, I am just so sad how it all went down, but we were never able to go in and be with my dad or be an advocate for my dad. So my mom had COVID as well. So she actually passed off all of the responsibilities to me to talk yeah. to the doctor because she had such fog that she couldn't um, do it. And not necessarily what I wanted to do, but knew that we needed to advocate for my dad as best as possible. So you drove, They, they okay, so she brought him to the hospital. Yeah. They realized okay his oxygen levels are low your mom couldn't stay at all so did they immediately move him to icu they did not immediately move him to icu okay and he really we actually didn't even go home he was fine he was facetiming us he was talking to us so okay. it wasn't like he was deathly sick he just needed probably A some hydration help. and oxygen yeah and so, so you're he, thinking it's sorry to interrupt i just nope. want to make sure that we get all the details in there but at this point you're still at home and you're thinking he's gonna be fine absolutely they're just giving him a little bit of oxygen and we'll be we'll be good to go yes. your mom is talking to you okay and then at what point did she say i need you to handle this and come here um so a couple days in, we realized we had said we took all of his medication that he had gotten because he had the telehealth conference and had the ivermectin from a doctor prescribed. Yes. So we took the medication to the hospital and we didn't realize, but they said, oh, we sent all of your medication back home. And so honestly, you only got to speak to a doctor maybe once a day if you were lucky. So right there, that was terrible because every every second mattered. So I think it was the second day or the third day that I talked to the doctor and I said, we want him to have his ivermectin. It was prescribed by a doctor. We want him to finish his doses. And as soon as I said that word, it was just like, uh, uh, I don't think we can do that. Let me check with people. I don't think that that's possible. So you're still at home at this point? So at this point, I'm still at home. Yeah. Talking, you're just trying to call yeah. all day. And they called me directly because it's all you get to do. No one gets to go to the hospital. So even my mom was just sitting at home the whole time. Yeah. She sent him off in an ambulance and she never saw him again. So, um, so I'm on the so phone hard. with the doctor. And the first doctor really acted like he wanted to help us, but his hands were tied. And that was 
when at first I started to get really nervous. I'm like, why aren't they allowing us to advocate for my dad? We chose what health like care, what plan we wanted him to be on, and they were denying it. So um, they said no to the ivermectin. He called back and said, I'm sorry, the hospital will not allow me to give this to him. So at that point- What were they doing for him? So so the way the Lord laid this story out for us, we weren't really 100%. We asked if he could get the antibodies, and they said he wasn't sick enough for the antibodies to start with. Okay. And so they denied that. So they started him on remdesivir. And at this point, we did not know anything yeah, about remdesivir. So the and Lord, now we know that it's now deadly. Now we know. And actually, I f- we, we found out on day 10, which now we know, like the death cocktail takes 10 days of remdesivir and absolutely everything that they discovered that it does happened to my dad. His kidneys shut down. He was on dialysis. It literally killed him. And um, I wish we would have found that information out 10 days later, but knowing God is sovereign, we know that he allowed us to figure it out when we did to save so many other people. Um, so Anyhow, as soon as we figured out the ivermectin wasn't going to be able to be used, we got nervous and we called our lawyer friend and we had him contact the hospital because we had seen cases where lawyers were involved. Ivermectin was administered even on the vent. My dad was not on the vent. He was still talking to us. Um, but his oxygen was just low. So his oxygen was low. Oxygen. So he was on oxygen. Did he was on a BiPAP. Did they start him on remdesivir right away? Right away. So he wasn't sick enough, they said, for the antibodies, Mm -hmm. but he was, according to them, sick enough for remdesivir. And I think that, well, we know now that's just the drug they want everyone to be on the second they walk through the door. Yeah. And we didn't know this. was supposed to, what did they say remdesivir was supposed to do? I don't even know. Suppose it's supposed to help them get their oxygen back up. Yeah. But what we know now, and you just alluded to that, is that it is terrible for the kidneys. The benefits do not outweigh the risk. This is something that is very widely accepted and known now. This is not me spreading some conspiracy or something that I cooked up. Like this is something that is now being admitted even by people who used to advocate for it. Yes. So you at this point just didn't know. That it was dangerous, but you did know that they weren't giving the ivermectin. So your lawyer then. So he contacted the hospital and the hospital said, basically, absolutely, we cannot administer that drug. So it was at that point that we got. No, no reason. They just said no. No reason. And I tried talking to two other doctors and Allie, when I tell you, when I looked into their eyes and they were soulless, I can tell you the heaviness and the darkness that I felt in that hospital. We did, we did end up going there yeah. and we got to talk. We got to go into a waiting room um, twice and talk to the doctors face to face. And we, I mean, four girls with their dad in the hospital, we begged, we cried, we pleaded. We said, please give him this drug. It is less dangerous than Tylenol. We want him to finish this drug. Yeah. And they basically said, I'm sorry, we can't. So you saw no, no reason. You saw no compassion in their eyes. No compassion. No tears. No no words of I know that this is hard, but here's why. All we heard was, We are doing everything we can to help your dad. We are doing everything we can. And we said, But you're not doing what we are advocating for. You are not doing everything you can. You're telling us he has three percent chance to live and you are still wow, not that's what willing. They were saying. Well, so it went. With the remdesivir, he went from his regular room. Five days later, he was in the ICU. A day after the ICU, they vented him. And two days after that, he was gone. Wow. So it was not a tear. And everyone in those waiting rooms 
were getting the exact same story. And it was heartbreaking to see because you realize like this jail, this hospital had become a jail for these people that entered the front door. We couldn't advocate for them. We couldn't see them. We couldn't be with them. We couldn't talk to doctors. It was insane. It was walking a nightmare. Mm -hmm. It was. And I think the hardest part was we were all in that waiting room, all four of us girls and my mom. And the doctor looked at us and said, I can get you all in there to see your dad if you just decide to turn the vent off. And we said, what? He actually, we're like, oh yeah, we'd love to go see. He goes, you just have to turn the vent off. My gosh, that's so evil. So evil. It was so inherently evil. Incentivizing you basically to let your dad die. Yep. Wow. And do you know what we said? No, we're not going to turn the vent off. And they said, all right, see you later. And we never, none of us got to see my dad. My mom got to go back in there for about two minutes while he was vented, but not while he was alive. And none of us got to see him or say goodbye. So it was so crazy. Like you're so close. And now looking back, I'm just like, how could, how could they do that? How can they tell us we can't be with our loved ones? Like it's insane, right? But everyone, no one knew what was going on. No one would speak up. I just, I told my husband, now if it were all over again, I'd, I'd bust through those doors and I'd go be with my dad. Like, so take us to jail. I don't know. It's just like, incomprehensible to me that that happened to so many people yes so my goodness that your dad who was a healthy 70 year old he died alone yep and you believe it's because of remdesivir that it wasn't from covid that he would have been fine 100 percent believe that so that's the story i shared and i will say like god showed up in a mighty way in two ways one my dad was never afraid And he was well taken, and two, he was well taken care of by nurses. There was some nurses that were Christians that loved Jesus that shared, um, that would just go in there and sit with him and talk with him that would allow us to FaceTime him. And so we were so grateful and so thankful for those nurses. And also that we just truly believe God was in that room and giving my dad peace because he never seemed afraid. And we're so grateful because we've heard some really terrible stories. So... So is this, was this a result of hospital policies or was it state policies that said you cannot go in and see your loved ones, you cannot administer ivermectin? I believe it was hospital policies. What we got back um, is it was the hospital policies. And also um, after I shared my dad's story, and it had gotten a lot of traction, I think it has over a million views on my Instagram page. Um, Obviously, so we took him to a hospital where we were all born. It was a small town hospital. This town has less than 20,000 people in it. And we took him there because we thought the hometown feel, the family, you know, based around family dynamics and all of that, like we thought we would be at a good spot. And we realized that it really didn't matter. At this point, it was all about hospital policy the donors that were giving to the hospital and money incentivized because after we shared a story since it was small town and where we all grew up, we knew people who worked at the hospital and they had told us that from the top people at the hospital, if they were to share our story or talk about our story, they could face termination. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know how that is legal. I don't know either. I don't know either. And it's really sad. 
All right, let me take a break and tell you guys about Jace Medical, a really unique company with an awesome service. It's the only service in the U.S. that prepares you for medical emergencies with antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. So you've probably thought about this. I know I thought about it during COVID. What would happen if, because of all the craziness that's going on in the world, I don't have access to the medication that I take on a daily basis? Or what if that happens to one of my kids? What if they need antibiotics or some kind of really important prescription? And because of some kind of supply chain issue, some kind of crisis, we're just not able to access the medications that we need. In fact, over the past couple of years, there have been several sh uh, shortages of very common prescription medications that people take. Jace Medical exists for that reason. Through their telemedicine process, you can get a year supply of much needed antibiotics as well as your daily prescriptions. Now, hopefully you'll never have to break into this stash, but just in case something happens in your own life, in the world, you know that you have this to rely on. It's so much better to be safe than sorry when it comes to preparing for these situations and caring for our family's health. So go to jacemedical.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Use code Allie at checkout. jacemedical.com, code Allie. And these hospitals will never be held liable. They'll never be held liable for the use of remdesivir. They'll oh. never be held liable for not administering ivermectin. I mean, we've talked about that. You're not supposed to talk about that. We've had doctors on this podcast to have talked about using ivermectin and some other and some other medications too, mm -hmm. completely effectively, at the very least, even if you're someone who's like, you know what, the data on ivermectin, whatever. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not as good as we want it to be. I've seen some people that I trust saying that, but what we do know is that it is not dangerous. Exactly. It is not horse dewormer. Yeah. It is not a horse tranquilizer. And honestly, I blame a lot of this and a lot of stories like yours. Yes, of course, the, ho the hospitals are making these policies. In some cases, the politicians are making these policies, but also on the media, oh, the yeah. media whipping up the fear and just outright lying about mm -hmm. ivermectin. Yeah. Lying. For what? Some cynical ploy to be anti-Republican, to be pro-medical establishment? And people died because of that propaganda. I mean, they straight thousands up lied. Thousands. So many people died. Yes. I know. It is heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking to hear everyone else's story. And they said, how do we, how are these hospitals not held accountable? Like, it's so hard for me going to bed at night knowing what they did to my family member. That's what they'll tell me. And that's what... You know, as a Christian, as where we just found all of our peace is that, you know, Jesus is coming back and he's judging the world and their yes. actions. Yes. And so we do not need to seek vengeance, yes. even though everything in us selfishly so wants to see that happen. But um, we just lay that at his feet and to know that he is sovereign and my dad's days were numbered and his story was used to save so many lives. And we're so grateful that we can find peace in that as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I do think that even though vengeance is not ours, legal accountability and policy change um, that enforces justice yeah. is righteous. Yes. And that is right. And I think I just want to, and I know you agree with this, I'm just saying there is a distinction between that and selfish vengeance. Vengeance could be, you know, going out and trying to ruin the lives of those doctors or get them back in some way or pay them back. But 
that would be different than fighting for policy change and Absolutely, transparency yeah. because like places in, you know, Florida, they have now written into the law that you cannot stop someone's family member yes. from coming in to see them. So that's good. We That's why, part of why you share your story. Absolutely. Yes, because to talk about the Lord's faithfulness, but also because things should change. If yeah. God forbid we go through something like this again, no family should be barred from advocating for their family. Yes. And I wanted people to see like a real family that had to walk through this because so many people did and they didn't understand how heartbreaking that was. They saw it's for the safety of others and, you know, what the news told them about why they're not allowing loved ones in. But once you truly understand when your loved one gets sick and what that actually looks like, it is criminal to keep you away from your loved one. And yeah. I did share over and over after that, too, how can this policy still be intact anywhere? Yeah, right. it is. It is not OK. Absolutely not OK. Yeah. And just to reiterate, ivermectin has been used by millions of people for different things, sometimes for river blindness, like in the continent of mm -hmm. Africa, but it's been used as scabies. An, yes. An antiviral. So yeah. even if you don't believe that it's the best, most effective thing for uh, for COVID, still, again, the side effects are so minimal that it would yeah. have caused no harm. Certainly, no harm. certainly fewer side effects than remdesivir. But as you said, even fewer side effects than Tylenol. Yeah. And we were lied to. Oh, and and the reality of it was when they said my dad had no chance of survival and they still would not administer it. Yeah. I mean, so that right there was a huge red flag as to this isn't about ivermectin and the yeah. safety use of it. This is very political. This yeah. is very driven by a different force. And it was very evil and it was very evident. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Talking about just like the feeling of darkness. At what point was it when you looked at, into the doctor's eyes and you realized this is something spiritual, actually. Something oh. demonic is going on here. I mean, first of all, from the get-go, like everything as you believe as a Christian to be close to the sick, to help the sick, to, you know, take care of each other, the community, the fellowship, right there and then with COVID, what it did was just try to cut that all off. And that was very dark. But walking into that hospital, you could sense a presence of yeah. darkness. It was, mm. the there was so much hypocrisy. The rules were so different. My mom at one point went in and they made her garb all up. And then they into the, what? sorry, put all on the medical gear on oh. from head to toe. And then my sister went in after my dad had passed away and she got to go in with her flip flops on and a gown on. So it just, there was so much hypocrisy even within that hospital, just knowing this isn't about the health and safety about, of others. This is about something so much darker. And this is, I mean, looking from our side, it's very politically driven and money driven and power driven. Um, and it was not about the health and safety of those patients yeah. and of those family members. So yeah, looking into those doctor's eyes, they were empty. There was no empathy at all. There was, they were not advocating for the interests of their patients. It was like they were given a protocol. They could not sway from it. My mom said over and over again, their doctors were not allowed to be their doctors. Yeah. It was like they could not look at the situation and say, this isn't working. We need to try something else. It was this isn't working, but this is the only thing we can do. Yeah. And we have to stick with it, even when it makes no sense. And that was really hard to watch. And your story, unfortunately, 
you're not the only one. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of families who have been through the same thing. And I think in a way, COVID just kind of exposed what already exists in a lot of ways within the medical industry. There are a lot of parents out there who have had kids have to go to the hospital. They haven't been able to advocate for them. Mm -hmm. Um, People who have had cancer or have a loved one who has had cancer, they sometimes go through similar situations where you're just kind of pushed to the side as a patient or the family member is. You don't know what you're talking about because you didn't go to medical school or you don't know the policies. And I'm not speaking about all doctors and nurses at all, but almost everyone I know has had at least one experience. If you've ever given birth in a hospital, Mm -hmm. you know what it's like to be belittled, to be diminished for a doctor to say, sorry, I just got to do this. You know, I'm about to go on vacation tomorrow. Let's just do the C-section or whatever it is. I mean, if, I'm not saying it's everyone, but if every single person that you know has had that kind of interaction with a doctor at a hospital, mm-hmm. there's something bigger that is going on that our health industry must not really be, at least from the top, about health, it's about and power. I think that's the important thing from the top because there is still so many people that are so passionate about helping others within yes, the health industry, yes. but a lot of them don't have a choice now. And that's what was hard to see because it's coming from the very top. Yes. And our eyes were opened, honestly, to something we never wanted to see. And you can't unsee once you see it. And I think a lot of people probably lost loved ones and still don't even fully understand that a lot of them were unnecessary deaths, which is so sad. And that's that's the hardest thing. It would already be difficult to lose your dad. Even if you had done everything, it would have been difficult. But I think I'm guessing probably what hurts even more is that you weren't allowed to do everything and it probably was preventable. So how have you worked through that? (sighs) Like literally it's only by God's sovereignty that we've worked through that. It is. um, My mom would say every time, like what gets her is I wish I would have never put him on that ambulance. And it's like, that's so backwards. We didn't didn't know. know. And that's why I said, mom, you didn't know. I said, Like we encouraged you to, we were taught from the beginning that hospitals are a safe place, that hospitals are good, that hospitals will help you. And so for us to literally hand dad over and not be able to, you know, have a voice, it was the hardest thing that we've ever walked through. But God was so faithful because the way he laid out the information that we figured out and the remdesivir when we found out and saw the article of what that can do to the body and we saw exactly it play out my dad we still were believing for a miracle we really thought that he was going to pull through he was going to get his ivermectin we were going to fight for it and he was going to come walking out alive he didn't but we shared his story and so many others did and so i think we know he's with jesus now and we have that security and that as what allows us to sleep at night. We get to see him again. We're so grateful for that and that his life was not taken in vain. And we truly believe that. And you've been able to use your story to help other people. Like, have you gotten feedback from people who are like, because I heard your story. Oh my gosh. So you know, this went differently for my family. Can you tell us about that? Oh, my mom got, my mom got all these food baskets at Christmas. She got thousands of letters, thousands of letters from people and all the stories of you saved. I know you saved 
my family member's life. And the crazy part is, is they said, because there was no early intervention that was being given to us as an option, and I would share, this is what you need to have on hand. This is how you can treat it at home before it gets bad enough to go in. People would say, we didn't go to the hospital because of your story. And we know that he's our dad is alive because we were prepared. Wow. And so, of course, that is like such redemption. And that's the sweet God winks that the Lord gives us to see, you know, his life was not in vain. And yeah. for my mom, especially, yeah. I mean, for her to see that his life has saved so many others and has helped so many others and has prepared them. Like it was just truly, yeah, such a sweet, sweet moment. Yeah. And what Satan means for evil, God uses for good. Like I always think of the story in Genesis of Joseph being thrown into the pit by his brothers and obviously horrible. You're Mm -hmm. sold into slavery by your brothers. You're left to die. But then the caravan of Egypt from or going to Egypt saves Joseph and or not really saves him but takes Joseph and Mm -hmm. then he ends up being able to work his way up and have this leadership position and then he saves his people from a famine and the thing about that story is is that the caravan was already on its way even before Joseph was thrown into the pit. So God is not a God who comes in later and cleans up the mess and says, how did this happen? Okay, let me try to fix this in ways that we don't understand and don't necessarily always comfort us in the moment because it's still hard to lose a family member. He sovereignly orchestrates things for the good of those who love him and his own glory. And that's, I mean... What oh, it's so crazy you to say that because yeah. that's my favorite Bible story. Isn't and that's it? literally what I share. Like God is up here and we see this much of what he's doing. And to know that he is sovereign over it all, that he was before, that he's in and that he's after, and that he can see the full picture, we can just completely lay it down and trust him. And it's what brings me, yeah, that's what brings all of us hope. And that's where our faith lies, right? Yeah. I love that story. Yes. My um my grandmother, she died a very untimely death when she was in her 40s. This was early oh, 80s. Wow. So it was before I was born, but she suffered from an aneurysm and she had this terrible wow. headache. She went to the hospital and uh, my grandfather tried to tell them like, hey, we think something is like really wrong. And they didn't, uh, there are a few things that happened before this, but they just didn't believe him. They just didn't believe that something was as wrong as he thought. They ended up um, putting her in a different ward, not the ward that she should have gone to. And she died from a brain aneurysm that night. She easily could have been saved. They could have caught what she had and they could have saved her. But, um, you know, they did it. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, my mom and her family, God, why would you let this happen? I yeah. think she was 42 years old. Wow. She was way too young. She had so much life left to live. And yet God did. And it was not until later that a family actually came up to my mom and said, because of your mom's wow. story, we knew that this was a brain aneurysm in my mom. And so there's a, I, I could keep going about how everything kind of orchestrated together, but it doesn't make the tragedies that happen in our lives not tragic, Mm -hmm. but it does just remind us that God is always doing something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't think that we'll know, you know, the extent to all of these things. We won't see the full constellation of our lives and how they connect to other people's testimonies until the other side of 
into that the other will be side a of glorious glory. day. Yes, yes it and will. We'll be like, oh Lord, we knew you had it. Like, how cool! It. That's what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I think that's like part of what the passage means when it talks about like that all of these trials that none of them compare to the glory yes, yeah. that God is storing up for us. And this is also part of what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman is having this faith when it's really hard. Yeah. And to know that like eternity is at hand, like this life is so meaningless. I think living intentional, knowing that at any moment, like you said with your grandma too, like every day could be the last. And what are we doing? What are we doing with our lives to bring God glory? Yeah. Yeah. And don't be afraid to use the tragic and scary stories in your life yeah. and tell them mm-hmm. because you have no idea how God is going to redeem that yeah. just with your small, seemingly small step of obedience and courage. And that's what you did. Yeah. That's what we have a little catchphrase in our house because we've got a few of those stories, but it's our story for his glory because it's just like he obviously gives us these for a reason and we need to use everything to glorify yeah. him through it. Because like you said, we don't know the whole picture that he's painting, but he's just using a part of our lives for yeah. his big picture. So, And I think an encouraging note to end on would be like, how did you use, how do you use these hard things as a mom to encourage your kids in the Lord and to show them kind of what the gospel is and how the Lord works? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there wondering how they would navigate something like this as mothers. Yeah, you know, I think it's so interesting. I think so often we want to shield our kids from the hard. And honestly, I think that's one of the worst things that we can do. I mean, there's definitely using discernment as to what you do shield them from. But we've walked some really hard um, paths in our life. And one of those being um, our 38-day-old baby girl died at home. And my two kids got to experience loving on her being with her, um, enjoying her, and then they understood that she got taken away. Um, and just much like my dad, like death is so interesting and hard for kids to understand. So for us, an open conversation all the time to just say like, this life is so short, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow to bring it back to the verse of don't worry about tomorrow for we don't even know what tomorrow holds. And to just know and to continually try to keep their mindset in the eternal as well, right? God yeah. is so much bigger. Heaven is waiting for us. What are we going to do here to make sure that we get to get up yeah. there? So I think we've had really hard conversations with our kids. They've seen the hard but it's only grown their faith deeper because if we shield them from too much of the easy, God never promises an easy life. It's how we respond to the trials that he's given us that really speak to our kids and our community. And so we want them to see the hard roads we're walking through and we want them to see God being faithful because if we shield them from too much, a lot of times they miss seeing God working in those situations. So I think for us, that's what we've chosen to do is to show them, look at what God did with this. Look at how God has proven faithful. Look at, you know, the lives that he has touched through this life. Um, And so that's just been really a great way for us to make that foundation a lot stronger for our kids. Like they're excited to get to heaven. They're excited to see their baby sister. They're excited to see their papa. Like they know that this isn't it. As you can tell from the things that we talk about on this show, the future is really unpredictable. That 
includes America's economic future. Like we've already felt the effects of inflation. We don't know when things are going to turn around. Now is the time to protect a portion of your savings by diversifying it into a hard asset like gold, which can really protect the money that you have. Uh, we're talking about a digital currency here in the United States. There are several countries that are talking about switching to a digital currency. And so people in the U.S. are thinking about, okay, well, how can I make sure that I have money that is not uh, that is not connected to the U.S. dollar? And gold is a really great way to do that. Maybe it's converting your IRA or 401k, or maybe you're like, Ali, I have no idea what you're talking about. In that case, you should get a free info kit on gold from Birch Gold by texting Ally to 989-898. This is a free info kit, no obligation, but you'll learn more about this and you'll love working with Birch Gold. Text Ally to 989-898, Ally to 989-898. And I know I said that we were going to end, but I kind of, um, I, I skipped over that important part of your story, which is you had a month old baby that died. Can you just yeah. tell us a little bit about that? I know I could extend this for another hour talking <laughs> yeah. about that and I don't want it, I'm not trying to abbreviate it at all, but since you mentioned it, if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And my pin story is Juliet Faith on my Instagram page. So if they wanted a deeper look, because she is a huge part of our story and that's where our Instagram began. So it kind of brings it full circle is we started Instagram because we were remodeling our hundred year old farmhouse and didn't have internet or Wi-Fi. So we couldn't blog. So we started Instagram 10 years ago to share Juliet Faith was born with trisomy 18, mm -hmm. which is a genetic disorder. So mm -hmm. she was born and talk about a 180 of the hospital saying, we have all the answers. You, We can only do this to, we have no answers. What do you want us to do with this girl? Because she is not deemed incompatible with life and no direction for us. So we actually ended up bringing Juliet home like 11 hours after she was born. Um, we had no special medical equipment, but we just knew that we wanted to love on her and we wanted um, to surround her with those who loved her while she was here. And we Again, talk about trusting the Lord. So much uncertainty of how long she was going to be with us, what that was going to look like as a mother. Oh my goodness, I was so happy she was born alive. But then I was thinking, the reality is she's going to die in my arms. Um, can I handle that? And so, yeah, 38 days of just trusting him with that story. Which is kind of a story. long time for Tristan 18, right? It is a long time. I think the percentage of them even being born alive right. is less than... 10%. So and very often they die immediately after birth. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So 38 days that she granted. And honestly, like wow. looking back and 10 years later, that's what we we're talking about. The Joseph story, you know, to see how God used that in our lives as a catalyst to launch this platform, to shine a light into this dark world and to share a different way of living out your faith. Um, it all started because of her and that Instagram started because of her. And it's like, God, you are so cool and so amazing of how you use everything for our good yes. and for his glory. So, yeah. so a lot of people will, you know, forget that it's for our own good. Like he knows and takes better care of us than we do. And it's just hard to trust that blindly, but it is the reality. Like he mm -hmm. is looking out for our good too. Yes. So, and even the testing of our faith is for our good. Yeah. And for his glory. Absolutely. And that's what trials do. Mm -hmm. It also just makes eternity so much sweeter. 
Yes, so. absolutely. One foot out the door, one yes. foot in heaven. Yep. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness. And being a Proverbs 31 woman, I think sometimes we only think about like the practical sides of it or like the earthly tangible sides of it because that's really what the chapter focuses on you're talking about being industrious being entrepreneurial taking care of your home preparing for the winter and all these things but there's an eternal aspect because even more than preparing your home here on earth like god is preparing our home in heaven and that's really what all of that is for absolutely we can get our house in order but if less our souls are going with us yeah it doesn't matter so i mean this is the house truly that we need to make sure is in order our hearts right before the Lord. And yes. that is when you bring him back to how do you make your house a home? Steward it well, steward those people well, steward yeah. that house well. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for what you do. Thank you yeah. for allowing God to use you. And thanks for making the way all the way here to share your story. Um, Absolutely. This is, I think, you know, just another way that God brings Christians together to support one another for his glory. And so um, I'm so grateful to for you to share that story with our audience. I know it's going to encourage them so much. So people can follow you on Instagram, Proverbs 31 Girl. Mm -hmm. And then what's your website? Proverbs31girl.com. Perfect. Well, I hope everyone goes, everyone follows Uh, and subscribes and all that good stuff. Thank you so much, Allie. Thanks so much for having me, Allie. (laughs) Mm -hmm.